I'm Ty Hudson, and this is Thirsty Thursdays here on the Pig Trail Podcast. Crack open your favorite cold beverage because we're about to talk about your Arkansas Razorbacks. But before we do, if you guys would be so kind to go and give the podcast some star power over on iTunes, I'd greatly appreciate it. And as always, Woo Pig Suey, go Hogs. Yo, what is going on, Arkansas Razorback fans? Welcome to the Pig Trail Podcast, Thirsty Thursday. I kind of want to rename the Thirsty Thursday to Hot Take Thursday. Hot Take Thursdays, brought to you by absolutely nobody. Because I don't have any sponsors. (laughs) Dear Ty... Advertise your show more. Maybe sponsors will come. How about that? That's probably how I should uh, how I should go about this. Welcome, everybody. I I hope since the last time we talked, you've had a, a, a good week. We have the internet up and rolling. My so this is what's weird, and I I kind of went over this on Monday's show, kind of ranted about it for a minute. But so Cox, I'm still with Cox Internet. Yeah, they're terrible. It was really strange. My download speeds worked fine, which means I can watch movies on tablets and play online games on on the old PS4 in the living room or on my PC, whatever I you know whatever I choose to do there, right? But upload speeds, if you don't have them, you can't live stream because I'm uploading, right? I'm uploading content, and live streaming is nothing but continuous uploading. So when you're when when and I posted those those uh, upload times on social media, or at least on the YouTube, on the community page there. I posted those speeds. Those are bad. Those are terrible. And I'm glad that right now it seems to be... I, I just... I, it's a crapshoot. I have no idea. I have no idea if I'm going to be able to live stream when I wake up on Monday and Friday mornings. I don't know. It's like rolling the dice. It is. And I I went to uh, Ozark Go back on uh, December. I called them up. I signed their or, or I did the verbal agreement over the phone. And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, okay, you're locked in. We'll be out there early February, late January." And here we are. We're we're at the end of February, and they're still not here. And I'm still having to deal with Cox Internet, and I'm dead gum tired of it. How about Arkansas putting a whooping, putting just a good old fashioned, passionate ass whooping? On the Tennessee Volunteers, it was very much um, appreciated because I, I've been saying all year, like, anyone that beats Arkansas, I automatically just want payback, in, like, instantly. And Tennessee, obviously, Arkansas's racked up some losses this year. They've got 10 on the year, 9 in conference play. But Tennessee, back on um, the 11th, Pretty similar score, but Arkansas. Look at this. So Tennessee on the road, or Arkansas on the road, back on the 11th, just uh, not that long ago, earlier in the month. They lost that thing 82-61. to And then Arkansas beats Tennessee 86-69. to Eat that, volunteers. Let's go over these numbers really quick. We're going to start We're gonna start with basketball. We'll get into a little bit of um, the baseball. You got the Shriners. You got that coming up. 
starting, uh, well, I think, tomorrow, right? Take on uh, Oklahoma, then Texas, then Baylor. And we'll talk about that for just a second. But let, let's get into basketball. Arkansas taking on Tennessee. Listen, listen. I I know Ethan Henderson logged 30 minutes, and you would like to have seen two more than two points. But, guys, nine rebounds, three blocks, four offensive rebounds. What is our high on the year for offensive rebounds from a single player? I think four is it. And Ethan Henderson did it in, in, in like, <laughs> he had, what, three offensive rebounds, I think, in the first half, and he ended up with four. He logged 30 minutes. He only took two shots. So it's obvious that Musselman's design was to bring him in uh, in place of Cheney and uh, and and to get him to, to, to attack, to go after these rebounds because he felt like Cheney hadn't been. That's what he told the media. He wanted someone to 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 attack the rebounds. Get go for the ball. Get the get the brick. Get us some second chance. Arkansas wound up with eight offensive rebounds. That's also got to be close to a high. That's got to be like top three on the year on offensive rebound production. That's incredible. Ethan Henderson, and he did this. I can't remember against who. It wasn't Mizzou, was it? Wasn't their their game before Tennessee? I, I can't remember, but he logged a few minutes. No, it wasn't. It was before that. He logged like ten minutes and had like two or three rebounds. I think he even had a a, a block, and he had I think a, a few points to go along with it. Look, if he's going to get you four points, let's say four, let's say four points a game. But if he can get you that kind of production in thirty minutes, four offensive rebounds, five defensive rebounds, nine rebounds, three blocks. You're going to take that. Okay, That's he's going to start. He's not just going to see more and more time. He's going to start with that kind of production. Uh, Cheney did, he, he got eight minutes. He had a steal, but he also had two, uh, he had a turnover and two fouls. The bench, 17 points of production off the bench. You're going to take that. They they rotated a little bit more. Um, Silla, Cheney, Harris, Seals, all saw time. Seals got 31 minutes, uh, 13 points off the bench. He was three of five from three point range. Look at that, five of nine from the floor. Uh, Arkansas, and 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 here's what's interesting too is between him and Harris. Harris also one for one at three point range. Like your bench total was let's see five six seven four of seven at three-point range from your bench. That's production from your bench, no matter how you put it. 17 points split up between two guys. Um, you had a steal, and 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 you had some, uh, you had, what, four rebounds off your bench. That was the production total from your bench. Let's go over Tennessee's numbers, complete numbers first. Uh, their leading score was Bowden, 19 points, Fulkerson with 15, and, and Pons with 12. Three of their starting five wound up with double digits. Uh, on uh, on on scoring-wise, total, Pons was really a problem. The guy had a, nearly had a double-double. He had nine rebounds. He had two assists. He had a steal. He had a block. He was really a problem all the way around, but he got into some foul trouble. I think if I remember right, he got into foul trouble early, but he also had a block. Uh, but Pons, Bowden, and Fulkerson are their, are their double-digit guys. Their bench, they got some production from their bench. There's no doubt about that. They scored in double digits. Um, 
they they let's see five seven eight nine total rebounds uh gains was their most productive member as far as uh minutes he got 20 minutes but uh five rebounds seven points was their second leading scorer off the bench so 44 percent from the floor they're 24 54 in total from the floor, four of seventeen. Again, Arkansas holds yet another opponent sub thirty percent from three point range, holding them at twenty three point five. And then at the free throw line, where Tennessee had to make them, and they knew that they needed to make shots because Arkansas starting to get hot at the free throw line. Arkansas starting to, they're trending in the right direction at the free throw line, and I think Tennessee felt like, and it wouldn't have mattered. Hell, they could have hit a hundred percent, but I think in their minds. They needed to do better. Anytime you shoot sub, I don't know. Every coach kind of has a different standard. But for these guys, 63%, 17-27 from the free throw line. I know they're not too ecstatic about that. Uh, 11 total offensive rebounds, uh, 31 total rebounds, 8 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks, and 12 turnovers for Tennessee. Again, they would end up uh, uh, with 69 total points. Arkansas, oh my goodness, Mason Jones with his 7th 30 point game he was three points shy of yet another 40 point performance he's obviously the player of the game goes without saying he only turned the ball over twice how about that when's the last time he scored 25 plus points it didn't have like five turnovers I think he's I think he's had a couple of those actually now that I think about it but he also had a steal he had three assists with 37 points and three assists two total rebounds two defensive no offensive rebounds but he's a, he's absolutely your your MVP. Isaiah Joe, two of eight from three point land, four of twelve from the floor. He logged another thirty plus more minute performance. It's good that he didn't have to go forty minutes or thirty eight minutes. He got thirty four. Every minute counts when you're on the pine getting some rest. But uh, he wound up being your second leading scorer. And how about that? Only two of their starting five had double digit scoring, and those two guys both were twenty plus points. Isaiah Joe with twenty two. Your next leading scorer was Wit. In Wit, this was a defensive performance. He had six rebounds, four assists, two steals, only one turnover. Not bad. Henderson, like I bragged on him before, uh, two points, but my goodness, four offensive rebounds, nine total rebounds, and three blocks. Not too shabby. And Bailey, your uh, your fifth guy, there, your your uh, your your uh, final member of the starting five, got only eleven minutes. He had two points, f- fouled out. Two rebounds with a steal. Not the greatest night for Bailey, but Ethan Henderson absolutely stepped up along with Seals off the bench with 13. I, I, uh, I, if you were to tell me two of your starting five would get would would have those kind of point would have that production, would have 37 and 22, but then the other three wouldn't be in double digits. I don't know that I would have picked Arkansas winning by as much as they did. Would I pick them to win? Yes, because it's Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones going off. Jimmy Witt, not that far from double-digit land, just four points shy. Uh, and then obviously with Seals. But if, if you were to tell me you're starting five, there's your production without giving me any other kind of information, I, I would have probably still thought would have thought Okay, yeah, they could win, but it's probably a close game. I definitely would not have thought that they would win this thing, eighty-six to sixty-nine. Uh, that's that's uh, from the get-go. I mean, Arkansas, Arkansas from the get-go was on fire. What was? How did they begin this thing? Like, I think they had like a fifteen-point lead in the first uh, 
minutes of this game. Like it, it just looked like they were going to run Tennessee out of the building, and that's exactly what happened. Payback is a bitch, Tennessee. Now, let's focus really quick on the rest of the season. You got Georgia coming up. They're fourteen and fourteen, a f- horrible conference record at four and eleven. Arkansas coming into this game eighteen and ten. They're trying to make the dance. They're motivated. Isaiah Joe back on the floor. I, it goes without saying how how important he is. I don't want to. I'm not trying to beat a, f- a fart out of a dead horse. I'm not sitting here trying to do that. But Isaiah Joe is so important. And, and I thought it was interesting when he goes down and he's out. I saw people on Twitter like, yeah, Isaiah Joe's important. But you know what? Mason Jones and Witt, they, they should still be able to, to get some production. They should still be able to win some games. And they didn't. <laughs> they lost a whole bunch of games in a row, and now here we are. Jones or Isaiah Joe's been back for two games, and they're two and zero. And you got a you've got a tough one on the road against Georgia. Georgia hasn't exactly been terrible at home this year. They haven't been great, but they haven't been terrible. They have some wins this year that are head scratchers, along with some losses that are head scratchers. But that's like baseball. That's just kind of how it is. You can't win them all. You got a ton of games to play. And you're going to drop some weird games that you have no business losing to. I still think, I look back at some of their losses, Arkansas's losses this year, and I'm like, no. No, that shouldn't have happened with the way, with Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones and, and uh, Witt. No, they should have beaten some, some other teams. But then, like Western Kentucky, you would think that would be an automatic win, but it's on the road, hostile environment. And, oh, yeah, they had one of the best, they had a first-round draft pick in Bassey, and he played 90% of that game. I don't know. I guess when you look back at Arkansas' schedule, maybe they've done exactly what you thought they would do based on where they were at going into conference play. What we saw in non-conference play, I don't know. I guess I guess that maybe it's not a horrible Georgia's they're in for a they're in for a treat. I don't think they've seen a team quite like Arkansas this year. A team that can get out-rebounded as badly as they do and still be in the position that they're in on the year. To have the lack of size, the lack of depth, but then be able to shoot the three damn near as well as they defend the three. They play so well out on the perimeter, and you would think, okay, well, they don't have size, they don't have depth, they don't have anybody above 6'8", so then teams just kill them inside, and and that's how they've... You know, they looking at that, they should be worse than they are, right? Well, Musselman's figured out a formula. He's figured it out. You can out-rebound us by double digits by, by 15, and we'll still keep it a game by 20, and we'll still keep it a game. Put ourselves in the position to win these things late. Now, they have lost some late, too. We know that. We're all too familiar with that. They've lost some heartbreakers in the final minutes and in overtime. But he has figured it out, and it's using the speed. He's figured out, too, if you watch how these guys defend, how to force turnovers without getting into into uh, foul trouble. They still foul because every once in a while you're going to get caught. There's going to be a little bit of contact. You're going to get these, you know, especially with the SEC officiating with how awful they are, you're going to have some some moments where you're going to get called for iffy contact fouls, and that's fine. That's, that, that's fine, okay, as long as it doesn't become a consistent issue throughout a game. And that, that's what Musselman has figured out. He's going to find a mismatch with speed. And he gets the absolute most out of out of his quote unquote bigs that he has. You know these <laughs> uh, the six eight 
six, seven guys that are having to qualify as bigs for Arkansas. But he's figured it out. And if you make the tournament with these two big, I, I mean, look, when you don't have those two things, depth and size, you are not supposed to be in the position that Arkansas is in. I'm just going to say that. For everyone, for all the Muslim haters, I don't know what it is you're latching on to. Only thing I've seen is, well, without Isaiah Joe, you're not a complete team. Okay, that's a good argument, but a lot of teams are built that way. A lot of teams rely on on someone as important as Isaiah Joe is to the Razorbacks. Everybody has that. A lot of teams have that because of the issues that you have with without the the lack of size or with the lack of size and the lack of depth especially with teams that deal with those with those issues you're going to have to rely heavily on one guy when he's not out there it creates problems Isaiah Joe is an elite three-point shooter who can knock these things down from anywhere on the floor <laughs> teams watching film that's a nightmare and then it 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 widens things out on the floor it forces them to second guess what they're doing on defense and to make try to try to make adjustments as the game flows on. You see that every single week, week in and week out, every game in and game out, trying to adjust to what Isaiah Joe can do. That doesn't make Musselman any less of a coach. It means he knows how to get the most out of his guys on the court, and it, he knows where to find the mismatches. Look at what he's done with Witt, with Bailey, and Mason. Okay, Mason Jones was not doing anything close to what he's doing this year. I think last year he was averaging, Jacob said over on the Hawk Talk, I think Jacob said he was averaging about 15. Jacob's always been pretty high on Mason Jones when nobody else is, or nobody else was. I'll give him credit for that, absolutely. Um, and he's dead right about Mason, and he has been. But without Isaiah Joe, this thing doesn't, it just doesn't tick, Right? So, Musselman's figured it out, but here's the thing. Without Isaiah Joe, it's like operating a game of chess without your king on the board. Everything else doesn't work unless Isaiah Joe is on the floor. And I know that's stating the obvious for a lot of people, but there's so many people on Twitter, and I doubt they listen to this. I don't, I don't know if they listen to me on, my, on, the, on the PTN YouTube show or on the Hog Talk podcast, but... For those people, if they accidentally stumble upon this podcast, just know you're dead wrong on what Musselman has done this year. Even if they lose out, the fact that they are this close to and possibly making the NITs is a victory. I think they have the resume right now as it stands to make the NITs. So already, even if, again, you lose out, and I definitely don't think that happens, knock on wood, I hope I didn't just jinx them, even if you lose out, it's still possibly a big win for this year because you were not expected to do this. You weren't expected to make any kind of postseason play. So, And then God only knows what they could do in the NITs with a healthy Isaiah Joe and with Ethan Henderson coming along. With getting more quality minutes and getting some actual production from your bench. God only knows what this team is. And I know hindsight is always twenty twenty. My God, could you imagine this team with just one 6'10", just one true four or a true five, a true center? Could you imagine this team with a true center? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine what their record would be right now without – or with, let's say Isaiah Joe doesn't get hurt. 
You don't have that losing streak. And I guarantee you, we're talking about now fighting for placement, for better seating, instead of just trying to get there. That's extraordinary for Musselman in year one. I had him between 14 and I think 16 wins. For me, everything else he's doing right now is like icing on the cake. Does that mean he's going to be successful his entire time at Arkansas? I have no idea. I'm going to tell you, though, his his basketball IQ, it, it's to me, it's through the roof. And I think you can make that argument for like 80% of college basketball coaches because, of course, it is. They're college basketball coaches. But then it's also figuring out how to work with what you have. It's overcoming the negatives that you have on your team, the disadvantages that you have. That's the stuff that makes coaching at this level so damn difficult. And he has figured it out to some degree, to a very large degree. Without Isaiah Joe, this team just they it's just not going to happen. Some people are going to say next year, well, if, especially if Isaiah Joe leaves, well, your whole team was just focused on Isaiah Joe. But there's also been games this year that Arkansas has found a way to win without Isaiah Joe's crazy good production on the court. And they do have, you know, it's not a great record without him. I think it's like they've got, what, one win, I think, without Isaiah Joe on the floor at all um, on the year. And that's not great. And that does give you a little bit of concern, a little pause for concern next year if he if he doesn't come back. And, of course, we still have the question mark about my, uh, about Mason Jones. But what Musselman was able to do this year so far, because it's not over with. And, again, if you get to 19 wins, you're definitely still on the outside looking in to getting into the NCAA tournament, which puts you in a position in the SEC tournament to then find some wins there to get qualified. It's not over if you go one and three, or one and two, excuse me. If you finish out one and two, that means you finished out two and two of the final four. And that still puts you, I think, in position, depending on what you do in the SEC tournament. That's that's extraordinary for year one for Musselman. Nobody had him in this position doing this. Nobody. And it's, it's pretty spectacular. Uh, baseball, really fast. They're going to do this whole Shriners thing. The yellow cap has actually grown on me. Not even going to lie about it. It's It has grown on me. At first, I was like, no. No. Come on. That's that's Ronald McDonald. I'm just, I can't do it. That's McDonald's. Or the Kansas City Chiefs. Or I, I don't know. Red and yellow. Whatever you affiliate that. I, I just wasn't a fan of it at first. And it just grew on me. And then I found out. Well, I say I found out. Someone had mentioned on Twitter that that's actually the, I guess, the color of the Shriners. So it's somehow affiliated with all that, with what they're doing uh, with this uh, three-game series down in um, down in Texas. They're going to be playing this thing. I, I I'm excited because it's gonna it's it's your first real test. You got Oklahoma on Friday, Saturday. You're gonna have Texas. Baylor on Sunday, so yeah, that's going to be down at Minute Maid Park in Houston, Texas, so 28th, 29th, and March 1st. I I really don't know much about any of these teams, to be honest with you. I know Oklahoma right now, they're sitting at 7-2. and two. 
you know, I think they have some pretty high expectations for this year, but they uh, they played a three game series against Virginia. They lost the opener six to nothing, and then they ended up winning that series seven to two in game two, five and one in game three. They beat Texas Southern. I mean, they put a whooping on them. They scored sixteen runs in two games, only giving up two hit or two runs. Then they played uh, Illinois State in a four game matchup, and they won three of those four. Um, Two to one, four to one, three to two, and then they lost the last one, seven to five. So they're coming in with a, with a one game loss. Texas is playing really good baseball. This is a team two years ago made the College World Series. Last year, I think they finished like bottom of the Big Twelve, and now this year they've got a lot of uh, a lot of expectations. They're seven and or nine and zero. Oh, excuse me, three game series win over Rice, where they gave up just eight runs in three games. Uh, and then they played UTSA six to two. They won that one. They played Lamar six to one. They are or, uh, Texas would win that. And then they played Boise State, which is really their biggest matchup of of the year so far for them. They won seven to nothing game one, two to one game two, and then seven to five game three. And then they played Sam Houston State. They've got a tough run in this thing. They got to play LSU game one, Arkansas game two, and then they've got uh, Mizzou game three. And then Arkansas plays Baylor, who's not off to a great start. They're five and three. So Oklahoma seven and two. Texas undefeated at nine and zero. Oh, Baylor five and three. That's your matchup. I would love to see them take two out of three. Would absolutely love it if they could take three out of three. Uh, Baylor's matchup Friday is Mizzou. Saturday LSU. Sunday Arkansas. So again, Arkansas playing those three. Oklahoma. Texas and Baylor. How about Texas? It's going to be a 7, 7 p.m. game, and uh, you're going to be able to watch that according to, to the to Arkansas's official website, ArkansasRazorbacks.com. Uh, all these games are available on AT and T Sports Network. Someone had said you're going to, you're able to watch it through the Houston Astros Sports Network. I saw that. I don't know. That's worth looking into. I don't have all the answers. Damn it. Maybe you can find it. If you find it, let, let me know. Hit me up on Discord or the or the Twitter or Facebook DMs. Let me know. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd like to see them take. Uh, I'd love to see them take two out of three, and and uh, you win. You sweep. You sweep the Big Twelve. That'd be even better. Then you're going to come home. You're going to play Illinois State. Like we and we've gone over this a lot, but they're going to have Illinois State. That's when you're back home, and that's uh, Tuesday, March third, and then you open up. Uh, uh, Three game series against South Alabama at Baum Walker. And then you got two a two game series against Grand Canyon on March 10th and March 11th. And then you're on the road to open up SCC play against Mississippi State Friday the 13th. How about that? Recruiting news. Uh, Arkansas. I yeah I know I know I know there is supposedly some rumors that Arkansas could be on commit watch. With with uh, with some kids, I'm not going to speculate right now because I haven't heard anything. I know there's some excitement around this Jaden Wilson kid, three star, six three hundred seventy two pound receiver. I don't think he's on commit watch, but I know that uh, there's been some excitement around him. I've had a couple people actually reach out and ask me about him. Um, but Arkansas, the biggest, probably the biggest news though, the most recent was that Arkansas threw an offer out to uh, a three star prospect, outside linebacker. Uh, Jabril McNeil, 6'4", 230-pound outside linebacker out of uh, out of Raleigh, North Carolina. He plays at Sanderson High School. He's ranked, according to 24-7 Sports Composite, he's uh, ranked 
the number 698th player in the country. He's a top 50 outside linebacker. 24-7 Sports thinks a little bit more highly of him. They have him ranked in the top 530 in a top 40 outside linebacker so far. His offers include Appalachian State, NC State, Oklahoma State, South Carolina. You know, again, you're talking about a kid that's 6'4", 230. Don't know much more than that right now. Again, he has a total of eight offers. Let me pull up his other offers here really quick. Uh, South Carolina does have an offer on the table. Tennessee, Virginia Tech, and uh, Liberty. Uh, with uh, a couple of other schools that have supposedly shown some interest. So keep a lookout for, for him. But uh, his recruiting, it seems like it's starting to starting to blow up a little bit. He's, he's collecting more and more offers. And again, Arkansas offered him, I believe, on the 26th, which would have been uh, Wednesday, yesterday. So, yeah, not a not a whole lot of recruiting news going on right now. I, again, there's there's talk of, of commitment watch the next couple of weeks on, on some kids, but I don't know anything about. I've not heard anything yet. So, when I hear something, you guys, uh, I'll let you know, either on uh, Discord or, or on Twitter or somewhere. That is going to do it. Thank you guys so much for downloading and listening to the Pig Trail Podcast. You guys know I love each and every one of you. If you haven't already, please give me some star power on iTunes. Go uh, go rate the show. Give me give me some star power on, on iTunes. I'd really appreciate that. And uh, I guess until either Friday night or until the next Pig Trail Podcast, the next Thursday, Thursday show, that is. Woo Pig Chewy. Go Hogs. We'll see you next time.